0: Oh man stands with america this is freedom's disciple with jonathan dunn on the blaze radio network (laughs) hello america thank you so much for tuning in today (laughs) i'm sorry um i'm sorry for starting the show this way but you've gotta laugh Today's going to be a very serious show, but I want to tell you all what I'm laughing at. So, literally, I'm sitting here at my in my office, about to go to record this show on, on YouTube, for iTunes, everywhere that you get podcasts. Subscribe, um, give us a like, give us a rating, review. And literally, right as I'm about to press record, a message pops up on my phone. Oh my God, you gotta see this. And I'm like, okay, what is this? And it's literally, I kid you not, it's Bill Clinton's speech this week. And I literally watched like two minutes of it. It was like a shortened down version of it. And it's him talking about conduct in the Oval Office. I don't do politics. You know I don't do politics. I don't care about either side. But, jeez, are these people like totally oblivious to what's going on in the world? Like seriously, like if you want to talk about, hey, you know, Trump bad, ah, Trump bad guy, Trump irresponsible, Trump Hitler... We need to talk about conduct the becoming of the Oval Office. I don't think of Bill Clinton. If I'm the head of the DNC, I'm like, you know, what? he's the last person we want. Because it's just going to destroy the message. But nope, Bill Clinton is... Well, it's 2020 and Bill Clinton's still, still talking, folks. <clears throat> I'm still thinking he's another statesman. But we've got a jam-packed show for you today. And we have a new tagline according... To thank you to one of our great uh, Twitter followers on Thing, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the Woodrow Wilson slams. That's for you, buddy. Today's going to be an interesting show, because today I'm going to annoy a lot of you. Because we need to start talking about big ideas. We we need to start talking about something more meaningful than, hey, Donald Trump good, Donald Trump bad, 2020 elections. Y'all got to do that. That's cool. That's fine. But this show is different. But I need to talk to you about a choice for your future. Because you're going to be given lots of choices. Some of them are going to be genuine choices. Oh, the future of America, you have to choose A or you have to choose B. You have to choose the chaos or you have to choose the the sleepy Joe. You've got to choose good or bad. But I want to talk to you about another choice that I think is absolutely critical that you do and that you know what the choice is, that you're given the both options. And today I'm going to annoy a lot of you and maybe some of you today might be the last show you ever listen to me because you go, oh my God, I can't believe I ever listened to that Irish guy. He's crazy. He's lost it. But I think it's critical to have this. But before I talk to you about what needs to happen going forward, we need to delve into the past because one of the things that I have taken on board over the last couple of months is forget what I have done in the past. That's irrelevant. You can say I've done a decent job or a good job or a bad job, but one of the things I think I need to do because I'm one of the only people that will actually do it and be loyal to it is explain why America is exceptional, why America is an idea, why America's founding fathers are not just slave owners and, and bad people wouldn't eat, but that there's some deeper meaning to us. And I want to talk to you about your revolution. Because revolutions happen all around the world. If you follow world news right now, there's a revolution going on in Belarus. And what's happened in Belarus is, from a principal point of view, obviously the actors change, the, the situations change, but the principles change to stay the same. What you have in Belarus right now, and I'm not going to talk to you about Belarus for long, but it's just an, like, the modern day example of revolutions, is you have a president over there Who's in power for 26 years. In 26 years, a lot of things have happened to that country. But a lot of things have become nationalized. Like one of the examples which I was reading as I was doing research on this, because it's what I like to do, was I found this stat amazing. And it just actually made me want to just like go bang. Was they have nine TV channels all run by the government. Nine news channels. Can you imagine, like you all think you have bad with PBS. Can you imagine PBS mind times nine? Oh my God, I have a headache just thinking about that. It's all controlled by the government. All media is controlled by the government. And because, as you would imagine, someone who's in power 26 years, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy, or whether they started out as a good guy, when you're in power for 26 years, you tend not to like people saying bad things about you. No president likes it. No congressperson likes it. But that's why a free press is absolutely critical. But what's happened is they started to control it. Because now they've controlled the TV. They control the media. The one place that you're actually allowed to right now criticize the government is online. On social media platforms. And they're trying to curb that out as well. But what happened was at the start of this month they had elections. And the guy who has been in power for 26 years... This, this is going to... this Sit down, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to shock you. The guy who was in power for 26 years, guess what? He won. <gasps> really? Yes, he won. I know I couldn't have seen that coming either. But there's a lot of issues with this election. There's a lot of people who are saying it was rigged. Vladimir Putin is involved. Russia is involved. And the people are not happy. So what's happened? Over a period of time, the people have started to have their freedoms curtailed. They're not happy with their way of life. And they've decided, you know what? We're going to start protesting. They're going to have strikes. And they started out as peaceful protests. But the minute they started out as peaceful protests, the police got involved and they were shut down. And there's horrific pictures over there. You want to see police brutality? Go look at some of the pictures from Belarus. That's police brutality. But what's happening there is a situation Where if I was in front of you right now And if you're watching on YouTube I'm making a poking gesture If I'm standing in front of you And I'm literally going like this Some person The minute I do the first poke Would be like Stop What are you doing Don't touch me John I don't want you poking me But other people A lot of other people Just go Eh It's not sore Yeah it might annoy me But You know It's just it just keep poking you And eventually, with a lot of people, eventually people just, you know, it simmers and it simmers and you're like, you get resentful and you get angry and you're like... (coughs) And eventually you just go, stop! Stop us! And you snap. Well, that's what happens with a lot of revolutions. A lot of revolutions, whether it's past or present, with the exception of the American Revolution, we'll get to that in a minute. It's always by the people at our lower end of society, who are like, you know what? I've been screwed. I've been screwed financially. I've been screwed. I haven't got access to certain things. I, I now can't say what I think of this government. I have to go, hey, the government is awesome. The government is swell. This is wonderful. By the way, this is absolutely Cree for my the friends who listen to our lefty and Democrats. You want to know why free speech is absolutely critical? Because you should have a God-given right to go, Donald Trump is the worst president in American history. Disagree. That's Woodrow Wilson. Boom, but you have that right, free speech. But what's happening is a lot of people get trampled on, get hurt. They have their rights taken away. They have their opportunities taken away. They have their very way of life crushed. And eventually, like that poking analogy, eventually they all just get together. You know what? Screw it. Our life sucks. We just have no other way of life. You know what? Let's risk everything. Let's start protesting. Let's start speaking out. Or maybe it starts very silently where you're like, you know, I know you, you're, you're in my neighbor. Yeah. How's things going? Not happy. Oh, you're not happy either. Oh yeah. I'm not happy. Why are you not happy? I'm a farmer. I haven't got access to, you know, all the stuff I can't need to, you know, feed my animals so they can grow. And I'm being price gouged, you know, at the mart. Oh, Okay. Why are you unhappy? Oh, I'm a laborer. I can't find work. Oh, okay. And what about John over across the road there? He's not happy either. You know, his business got taken away from him. Oh, okay. Well, then all of a sudden they start talking and they start going, you know what? We have a common enemy. We may not like each other. We may, you know, be different races or different sexualities or different religions. But all of a sudden we have a common enemy. The people in power. And then all of a sudden the revolution starts sparkling. Where people kind of go, you know what? We have absolutely nothing to lose. And everything to gain. We saw this in, in many different places over the last five, 10 years. We saw it in the Arab Spring. We saw it in, in Iran when those people tried to raise up against their government. They had absolutely nothing to lose. We saw it in Cuba. People had nothing to lose. Their life sucked anyway. With the, you know, with the greatest respect, not condemning them, but their life had issues. They were clearly unhappy. They were been trampled upon by dictators, by the Ayatollah in Iran. Their freedoms have been taken away. They were been told, "You can't do this. Now sit down and shut up." And they risked everything. And during history, before America, and you know, after America, and today, you've seen revolutions have different successes. They've had different outcomes. Some have been successful, some have been crushed. Some have had American support, some have had American silence. But there's been many revolutions... Every revolution has that common theme. The issues may be different. They may be against a dictator. They may be against a foreign power. They may have different issues like the right to free speech or the right to marry someone or the right to earn their own money or the right to own a business or they're frowned upon if you're not from the right neighborhood or the right sexuality. The issues change. The principles stay the same. It's the people at the bottom who are like, you know what, I'm pissed off and I'm angry. And I'm frustrated, and rightfully so. And I want a new way of life. And I'm going to risk everything to get it. Every revolution has that team. Except one. You know who that one is? <laughs> want to know who that one is? You guessed it. Spoiler alert. This is going to shock you as well. America. You see, America was based on a principle of your founders. The men and women who signed the Declaration of Independence who risked it all at the start. Those men and women, a lot of them had everything that they needed. They had money. They had stature in society. They had businesses. They had land. You know, anything that you think that is equals to been very successful in life today. Reputation. Oh, that's, that's, that's so and so down there. Oh, yeah. They're a good person. Oh, they're a business owner or they own land or they cheat. They're loaded. They have a lot of money. And I just want to share one story with you, just about someone who's an idol to me, you know, my personal hero, who's a human. George Washington. George Washington had everything you'd want in society. George Washington was successful. George Washington started surveying land at 14. Fourteen! Imagine what you 14-year-old does today. He was out surveying land by himself with his compass. He had his businesses, he had his land. Had Martha, had love, yeah baby, had money, had stature, everyone knew who George Washington was, not only because he was a tall guy, but also because of his record and who he was in society, had everything that you could want in society. Of all the people in your founding fathers when the king was tyrannical, when he was doing the Molasses Act, when he was putting taxes, when he was doing these trials that you if you didn't turn up, you're automatically guilty. When they were doing these cases where the judge had a vested interest because if he found you guilty and fined you, he got a percentage of the fine. We have this crooked system. They had every reason, George Washington, every reason to go, you know what, look, this sucks. But look, thank God I have all this money and all this fame and all this fortune. I'll just pay the tax. I'll just give the king. Look, the king wants an extra 5% te- tax. Just give it to him. It sucks, but just give it to him. It's it's just not worth the hassle. And you know, I don't know how life was back in the 1700s. I've read a lot about it. But you know, the quirks between marriages. You know, we all have our own routines. Well, sorry, I don't. But you all do if you're married. You know, you always have this routine. You come in. And all of a sudden you see your wife or your husband and you go, hey, honey, how's your day today? You know, it's usually, you know, fine. Work was work. You know, or I had a great day. You know, I got an extra sale and we're going to get an extra commission at the end of the month or whatever it is. Or I had to deal with that a-hole. He just just irks me the wrong way. He always tries to screw me. You know, we all have the answer. Just picture yourself, if you don't mind, in 1776. And you're Martha Washington. We're all going to be Martha Washington today. We just identify as it because it's 2020. You identify as Martha Washington. And you're at home doing whatever you did, as Martha did on an average day. And all of a sudden George comes in. Hi, honey. How was your day? Eh, uh, yeah, it was all right. Did you do anything unusual today, honey? Eh, uh, we'll talk about that after dinner. Oh, why, honey? Why you're getting me worried now? What's going on? Oh, look, I don't want to worry We'll talk about it after that. Let's just sit down and have a nice meal, and then we'll we'll talk about how my day went. And you know, oh, what do you mean? How your day? What what's going on? Is something wrong? Uh, look, <coughs> I I I made a big decision today. <coughs> oh, did you? Are we buying more land, or you know, are we gonna do different projects? Surely, <coughs> <of>, yeah. Um. <coughs> <coughs> uh. uh I I signed up to be the leader of the Continental Army. <coughs> you 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 did what? Honey, sorry, I didn't quite catch that. I uh I signed up to be the the the, the leader of the, the Continental Army. <coughs> oh, you mean like going to fight against the British. Yeah, that I'm going to lead them. Oh, okay. They're like the, the, the army you fought with before, right? Yeah. And they've loads of guns, right? Yeah. And tanks are not tanks and cannons. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't. George, King George wish he had tanks. Um, he still would have lost, by the way, but, um, yeah, they've cannons and everything. Oh, yeah. And you're, they were all well fed, right? Yeah. So the people you're going to have, they're going to have, you know, cannons and they're going to have muskets and, you know, loads of ammunition. (laughs) Some will. (coughs) A lot of others won't. Huh. And you're all going to be well fed and looked after, right? Well, some of us will. And, you know, some of us won't have, you know, won't have shoes on our feet, but I'm going to lead them to, to, to against the British. Do you think I always use this as an analogy, but I don't know the sleeping situation back then, but do you think Martha accepted George into the marital bed that night? Or did he sleep on the sofa? Because in my head, he sleeps on the sofa because if I'm Martha, I'm like, whoa, so we have all this lovely land. We have all this prestige. We have all this money. And you want to risk it all to go fight the English, the Hessians, the most well-armed, well-equipped, well-trained, well-fed army that the world has ever seen to date? You want to go fight them with your little pitchforks and your muskets and not everyone has shoes and not everyone has blankets and the food is going to be dull, boring, and bland? You, you think you can beat them? Mm-hmm. You're going to risk it all? Mm-hmm. How do you think that conversation goes? Even if you had it today, how many people would still go, you know what, I'm going to sign up to be the leader of the Continental Army. Or do you think we just go, you know what, I'm really comfortable in my job. I'm really comfortable in life. I'm not willing to rock the boat. You know what, I've got a 401k to save for. And I've got to put money away for the college education of my kids. And I, I just can't rock the boat. I, I, you know what, Just, just pay the tax. How many people are willing today to fight that? How many people today are willing to say something that's unpopular because there you offend anyone on either side? That you have a different opinion on Donald Trump or that you don't think Joe Biden is the answer to all America's problems. Spoiler alert, he isn't. Well, maybe if he sleeps... Actually, maybe Joe Biden might be the answer. Maybe if he slept through the presidency for four years, he wouldn't have time to... Jeez, I might be onto something here. Maybe Sleepy Joe is the answer. I'm joking, by the way. But... Here's the thing. How many people are willing to make that opinion? To share us. Think about online. How many times are you willing to share an opinion of that you know someone is not going to like? Oh, we don't want to rock the boat. Don't want to rock the boat. How many times are we willing to take a risk? Your founders took the ultimate risk. When they signed the Declaration of Independence, they didn't sign a document. They just didn't go, hey, this is wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Declaration of Independence. I'm gonna we're gonna get us kick kick some British butt. Yeah, I'll sign that. John Hancock, baby. No, they were signing their debt warrants. Because a lot of them paid the ultimate price. There's this glorified version of the few people who actually still talk about the founding. Where you have this, ah, they signed the Declaration of Independence, they went off the war under George Washington, they kicked the English butt, and then all of a sudden, 1787, the Constitution just magically arrives. It was divine providence, baby, and in 1791, you get the Bill of Rights, and everything else is just... It's all easy, right? No. We've spoken about this in the past, your Declaration of Independence. A lot of people who signed that document lost everything. That I always share this most famous story because I think it's absolutely critical. Because especially in 2020, because it's unheard of. One of the people who signed your Declaration of Independence was a, was a judge in a district court. Well respected. And this is why it's rare. Because in 2020 you say this and it's kind of like that could never happen. No, no, that's fantasy, John. No, this actually did happen. He was a judge. Respected by both sides of the aisle. Very fair. Very impartial. Just ruled down the line on the merits of the case. He wasn't a lefty. He wasn't a righty. He was a law person, very well respected. Had all the, the the prestige you'd want that go with it. Signed the Declaration of Independence, and in many cases, did he hear after it? In case you're not watching on YouTube, I'm just, I'm throwing up the oh, the white power signal. Oh my God, zero. That's how many cases. What does winning look like for him? But I guarantee you, if he asked, was asked, was it worth it, he would have said yes. There were people who signed your Declaration of Independence who had their daughters and wives raped. They had everything to lose. Your revolution was the exact opposite in so many ways to every other revolution. It was based on the people who could have just went, you know what, this isn't for me. And with the greatest respect to all those people involved, you know what, look, I'm not against you. I hope you win, because if we win, hey, everyone wins. And then I'll come and help you. But I'm just going to sit this one out. Uh just not for me. But they didn't. And thank God they didn't. Because I would ask you, just as we go into this break, just to think about something for a second. Can you imagine America? Or let me go one better. Can you imagine the world without George Washington? We spoke about George Washington briefly last week. George Washington is the standard of America. Do you still want him to be? Do you still want to put him on, not on a pedestal to go, oh, George, you're wonderful, but that the role model that you kind of go, you know what? He's not an idol. We don't worship him. He's not a fat and golden calf that we all pray to. It's not biblical. It's that we look at him as the standard to go, you know what? That is the benchmark which we are all aspiring to be. That we all seek to be a little bit of George Washington. That we all seek to be so selfless, to be so humble, to be so kind, to be so softly spoken as George Washington. To be also so humble that when he's given arguably up to that point his greatest honor to be the leader of the Continental Army, he's so humble. That he's not there going, yeah, of course I am. I'm George Washington. Of course you go for me. Who else would you go for? Everyone else is dirt. But that he says to him, I beg it that you plead, that it's put on record, that I don't find myself worthy of this great task you have given me. That's who George Washington is. Is that someone America still aspires to be? Does America still understand that the revolution was about... Everyone who had everything to gain and nothing to lose. But they did it anyway to fight. Why? They didn't fight it to beat the British. They just didn't want to get... There wasn't a case of, hey, let's get Britain out of America. Let's get rid of that king. We sucks. It was a case for everyone. Rich, poor, black, white. Setting up that idea of America that says, you know what? Man is meant to be free and that man is not meant to be controlled or coerced and that idea changed the world that is your history now that's your history that's your foundation where are we going to go that's the question your actions your words and your deeds will decide going forward Before we continue, I just want to make a personal apology to you guys and girls ever who listened last week. So, I've always owned up to my wrongs, to my mistakes, and it's this one's actually really frustrating for me to admit, to be honest. Because last week I did, I was the first show back, and I earlier in the week I did a sound check and it did my mic, and I recorded a show, and it was fine. And it just the show was crap. I was tired. I I wasn't my usual you know pepper self. And I re- re-recorded it Friday morning. And between Thursday night and Friday morning, the sound went crazy. And then anyway, I, went, I someone, y'all told me on social media, and I went, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Looked into it disconnected everything, reconnected everything, and I think everything's back fine. But if you ever have those issues, this show is always live on YouTube, so go check it out and subscribe because we're going to be doing a lot of stuff going there going forward, which I can't talk to you about now. But Even if you don't intend to watch on YouTube, if you want to listen on iTunes or every whatever platform you decide to use, be subscribe on YouTube because starting from around January, there's going to be a lot of more content up there, which I'll keep you updated upon closer to the time. But... I want to start talking to you about what's going forward, because I believe each and every American has a choice, but I don't want to talk to you about every American. I want to talk to you about those who are more freedom ideas, have the idea of freedom, have the understanding of the constitution. This is a question I think you need to answer because right now our world has changed and we're going to be talking about this over the coming weeks. Whether you like it or not, our world has fundamentally changed more in the last six months then it probably has changed in the last 10 years. And the sad thing is, a lot of those changes are not healthy. We have regressed when it comes to government so much in the last six months. It's truly frightening if you love liberty or you love freedom. But the question you have to ask yourself, and this is where it's going to annoy a lot of people, and what I'd ask you to do is, for the next 20, 25 minutes, listen with an open mind. And if you think I'm full of horse crap, Or you think, you know what, John's going off the deep end, don't want to listen. We're going to part friends, that's cool. But I would ask you to listen with an open mind. Because I believe anyone who believes in freedom right now has a choice to make. And it's a very key choice. Yes, you have to choose between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Joe Jorgensen and every other candidate that's going to run. Yes, you're going to have to choose between the House and the Senate. Yes, you're going to have to choose who represents you at local level. You're going to have to choose about your faith. You're going to have all these choices. But you're also going to have to make a major philosophical choice. Do you want to be free? Or do you want to be rich? And when I say rich, let me very be very specific. Rich in financial terms. Because that is the choice I believe we are about to make as our world has changed. And if we answer wrongly, if we put finances, if we put personal wealth ahead of freedom, I believe if we answer that question wrong and other questions along with it wrong we are going to literally live in the most tyrannical government that God has ever seen. And I'm going to give you, break that down into different sections. And the first thing I'm going to do and I'm going to touch on it real quick is politics you know the funny thing about binary choices which you have in your country is it decredits the human individual it's good or bad hey you're good you're bad you can find something you admire in pretty much anyone let me give you a crazy example it's a saying over here I'm guessing it's a saying over there Adolf Hitler at least Adolf Hitler liked dogs at its core, at a core principle I love dogs In many ways I prefer dogs to humans That's why I'm a bad Christian Dogs are just great creatures I believe they're magical, I believe they're special And I just love them But Adolf Hitler was a big dog guy as well You can read stories about him in World War I Feeling really bad about losing a dog that he found And in World War II Hitler was a dog guy At its very core, me and Hitler Have something in common i'm not too i'm not too fond of this but if you ask me hey what's hitler good guy or bad guy i'm gonna say bad guy have you read history but at that very simple molecular level of one principle me and hitler have something in common why did i share that story because i want to talk to you about choosing money or choosing freedom george soros I'm going to get a lot of heat for being on this network talking about George Soros and saying anything remotely kind about the guy. I think George Soros in a vacuum is a really bad guy. You read what he's done in other country, in other countries. You read about what he's done in currency manipulation. Just really bad guy. But there is one thing I admire about George Soros, even though he's on the wrong side of history, is that he has so much money that he pays everyone to do anything. Who are the people on the right doing this? You know when there's a candidate running? Oh, George Soros is guaranteed to give you 50000 or or $100,000. Hey, it doesn't matter if you get 15% in the poll. Just run. You look at all the issues that, you know, George Soros has funded. Oh, gun control. It'll never pass, but keep funding it. And then the next time you come back for a check, he keeps giving it. Because he sees the bigger picture. He's willing to risk his vast amount of wealth to get the world and mold the world to his heart's desire. There's no. Let me be critical, clear about the thing I admire about George Soros. It's not anything I disagree with every issue. Pretty much, George Soros ever funds, but the idea that he's willing to risk his own money to get that country, world that he wants to mold it to his desire, this is something that you can respect. That you know, you can kind of go, "Hey, if I had that money, I'd do the same." How many people on the right do it? How many people? And I just so go back to where when I was political. And not that I was any big insider or had access to secret information, but I think, you know what, when America was key and when America was really rocking the Constitution, when it was really rocking the idea of freedom, was under the Tea Party. Where was the George Soros funding it? Where was the George Soros giving Mike Lee checks when Mike Lee was like 2% in the poll? Where was the George Soros out running $100,000 checks to Ted Cruz when he was like 1% in the poll in Texas, when no one knew who he was? Who was giving Rand Paul money? Well, Rand Paul was different because he had his father's, you know, his father's name and his father's recognition. But where was the money for Dave Brass? All these great senators and, and congresspeople. Before they were known. Before Ted Cruz was Ted Cruz. Who was going, hey, you're 1%. We see the world the same way. Here's 100 grand. Who was doing it? Who does it today? Who's funding these people? Who are actually constitutionalists? Who actually understand the idea of America? Who was doing it? Or who is doing it? George Soros is doing it for the left. But who is doing it for the right? Likewise on issues... And I'm not saying, hey, Ted Cruz is great, or Mike Lee is great, or Rand Paul is great. I'll take them on by issue by issue. Good, bad, or, you know, if we agree or disagree. But I'm just using those as an example from the Tea Party. They are considered the Tea Party darlings, even to this day. But on issues, where are the people writing checks to defend the Second Amendment? And I mean big checks. Where are the people defending, you know, let's give you another example. The Fourth Amendment. Where the where's where's the people on the right going? You know what? We need to mould the world to our shape. Hey, you have a right to privacy. Oh, it also happens to be in the constitution as well. The right to be secure in your papers and your persons. And I know it'll be a losing battle. I know that there will be hawks from both sides of the aisle who will go. What you want privacy? Do you know how many terrorists that would lead to Americans dying? Do you know how many terrorists would love that world? No, all I'm saying is I'm not saying don't spy on terrorists. I'm saying get a warrant, respect the Constitution. It's no big deal. But that would issue would lose year after year. But who's willing to give it five, ten, twenty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars to start shaping it back to the Constitution? How many people are willing to do that? Where are those people today? But then I also look at the business world that we're in. We have major problems with technology. In some ways, we are so blessed with technology. Look at all the power we have. You know, one of the things that's changed in my mindset, and it's this, actually an inspirational thing done that Tony Robbins does, and I think it's absolutely, he calls it priming. But where you just sit down and you just go, you know what, I just want to be absolutely grateful for certain things. Just absolutely grateful. And he does it because, as he says, when you were absolutely grateful, it's hard to be angry or fearful or pissed off when you're thinking about stuff you're absolutely grateful. The brain can't wire those two emotions at the same time. So just have that few moments of just looking around at your life every day, kind of going, you know what, I'm really grateful. In many ways, I'm so grateful for technology that we're in. If I was doing this show when Bill Clinton was president, you know, know, the guy who can lecture on how to act in the uh, the West Wing. Or not in the Westing, mean, He actually said the Oval Office. When he was president, I couldn't do this show. I couldn't speak to you. You know, it still fascinates me. It's just become routine and mundane and just expected. But the idea that I can get my iPad, press a button and record, and you can see my wonderful face, and you can see these flags in the background, and you can hear me talk. That's incredible to me. It's still amazing. I'm so grateful for it. But also on the flip side, I'm so scared for things. Because what you're starting to see... Is the starting to see the seeds of silencing voices on YouTube, on Google, on Facebook, on Twitter. Where are the set of people on the right who just want to know what? We're going to fund a principled free speech network that's going to compete with Facebook. And we're not doing it for profit. We're not doing it for, hey, fame and recognition. We're doing it because it's absolutely critical for America's survival. And we're going to put 5 million in it. And I'm going to put 5 million in it. I'm going to put a million in it. I'm going to put X amount of money in it. And I'm going to risk everything. Because it's absolutely critical, above all, that my personal wealth is one thing, but that the survival of America is much bigger. Who's willing to do that? You look at all the money of Black Lives Matter that they get from all these different, the open or was it, the secret society. All this money that's funneled from shoot to shoot to shoot to shoot and gets funneled around. Look at all the money. They have it at a whim. But how many people who believe in freedom all those causes have access to that money? The people on the right are supposed to believe in free markets and, and capitalism. Therefore, you should have money. Why aren't you willing to risk us? Why aren't you willing to just risk it all? Because you see the bigger picture. You see the need for a section of society to be free. And that you're willing that you understand that if America keeps going down this course, down this course which is becoming so familiar to me because I live in Europe, a fact I despise, but it's a fact I can't hide from, that your government is becoming more and more less American and more and more European, regardless of which side holds power. Look at everything that's happened under the coronavirus. You want to tell me that there's liberty in the veins of any congressman, or senator, or any governor, any politician. That liberty is running through their veins like blood. These are the times we live in. It's time to start doing what your founders did. And I know people are going to confuse this message. Going to go, gee, John sounds an awful lot like he's saying, be like the left. And you know what? Socialism works. That we need to start putting up our money and stop you know, seeking things for profit. No, you need to start understanding the world we live in. And making a call. What's most important for you? And by the way, just so we're crystal clear not to talk about me. But I'm doing the exact same thing. I don't have five million to give. I don't have one million to give. But I am so afraid. Actually, that's scratched. I'm not afraid. I'm ready for what the world is coming. I absolutely understand where this world is going. I'm not afraid of it. But I'll be damned if I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to risk everything. Because I would rather be poor and free. Than rich and a slave which choice do you want to make because we have problems in our society whether it's politically whether it's issues like the constitution whether it's tech issues where we need competition we need a group of people to come together and you know what let's just put profit motive aside let's run the best damn company we can because america is worth this. because america has given so much to you and i'm Just so again we're clear I'm not saying the government should do this Say hey you're rich, you're rich Give me money and we'll do this Government is not involved This should be private, private enterprise But people should start doing things Not to seek profit But to seek to do the right thing i get to the the next point about what we need to do to sacrifice you know one of the things that annoys me about why americans don't understand the constitution because there's this idea of checks and balances of limited government that there's certain things the government can't tell you what to do they can't tell you because it's not your parent it's not your nanny but in germany this week they passed a new law i don't know if you heard this it's about dogs If you own a dog in Germany now, it's now a law. You have to walk it at least one hour a day. First of all, anytime I see these laws, whether in America or Germany and other places, I always want to go, how are you going to police this? Like, uh, is there literally someone going to go, okay, your first walk, go. Oh, stopwatch, that's 20 minutes. Okay. Oh, you're going for another walk now at lunchtime? Go. There's another 20 minute walk. How do you police this? And imagine going to jail if you got, you know, fined and didn't pay the fine. Oh, what are you here for? I burgled someone. Oh, what are you here for? Oh, I didn't wear my mask for coronavirus. And what are you here for? I didn't walk my dog for an hour every day. I was busy one day. I You know, I had work to do. Work went over and I had the kids to pick up and I didn't walk the dog for an hour. I'm in jail. Imagine that. You want to see why I get frustrated when people don't understand why America is exceptional because of your government and it's been violated every day? But that's just a side point. I want to finish up today's show by talking to you about the bigger issue, about choosing freedom and choosing... You talk about being a Christian nation, choosing the Christian path or choose money and fame and fortune and possessions. The Bible is very clear. I know a lot of people there are Christians in America who don't agree with this. There are people in the Bible Where there's parable after parable that says It is hard for the rich man to get into heaven I don't know how much clearer Jesus needed to make it Jesus doesn't want you to be rich Jesus wants you to live a richful life Where you're happy, where you have meaning Where you're serving other people Where you're loving other people That is the message of Christian Of Jesus Christ and of Christianity But here's why it's absolutely critical You make that choice right now because our economies in Ireland, in England, in America, in Germany have been turned upside down. How many times did you hear this when it came to the economy? For those not watching on YouTube, I just did a big V. We're going to have a V-shaped recovery. We're going to shut things down. We're going to control the virus. And then we're going to open things back up. And the economy is just going to go boom. Everything's hunky-dory. Everything's fine. Many times did you hear that? Do you remember that? We're going to have a bounce back, baby. Bounce back. We're going to have a V-shaped dip. Didn't work out that way, did it? Didn't work out quite that way. And why is that? Because our economy has fundamentally changed. Our economy was changing anyway. And this is the truth, whether you live in Ireland, England, Europe, Asia. Our path for the last 15 years has been towards automation and depending on the report you listen to that there was going to always be a constant supply of between 10 and 20% of people unemployed because of automation coronavirus has changed that not the the automation not the unemployment but has turned the economy so far on its head that people are going to be unemployed because there's jobs no longer going to exist because of the coronavirus and it's highly unlikely they come back and you know what's going to be affected the most? I'm just brought in this in a nutshell that I need to talk about this with you at much di- much deeper terms. Cities. You know all these cities like New York, London, they're all destroyed. Why? Because of coronavirus. Because all these people who are in these, you know, businesses are saying work from home. And guess what? When you work from home, well, then there's no coffee shops And if you're working from home, there's nowhere to get lunch. And if you're working from home and you're not out in town and you're a banker, you're not really entertaining clients. So there's no travel coming in. There's no, you know, tourism. And if you're not entertaining clients, guess what? There's no really reason to go out for dinner that night. And you're going to start seeing cities become like ghost towns. You're also going to start seeing cities become ghost towns because there's no people in there. Therefore, there's no shopping. You know, the days, I don't think this was much in America, but in Ireland, we used to all go into the city for shopping. You know, you go to you know, like the Walmart, the Targets, different things. It's a, I think it's more a European way of life. This doesn't happen anymore. We have little outlets, little malls and in, in different parts of the suburbs. People are going to go there. So what's going to happen to the inner city? The inner cities become wasteland. But most importantly, what happens to all those jobs? What happens to all those jobs, to all those people who used to work in restaurants, who used to work in bars, who used to be reliant on tips? And what happens when they can't earn money because there is no jobs? They, not, they can't pay their rent. They can't buy stuff. Then the people who are reliant on those people because of their rent or because they're buying stuff, they were buying iPads and stuff, all those people's jobs is affected. With coronavirus, and if things keep going the way they are, Let me just give you an example of what's happening in Ireland. Ireland went into lockdown, total, pretty much total lockdown, with the exception of like pharmacies and shops. And then it started opening up and they had a five stage recovery opening up plan. This week, they've started to close things back down. And it wasn't because they're like the first reason. It wasn't because, Hey, what we need to do is save the hospitals. No, 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 no. This isn't about hospitals. There's just a rise in cases, not a rise in deaths, not a rise in people going to hospitals. There's a rise in cases. This is going to further dampen the economy. This is going to have lasting impacts on people's lives. The people who have finished off school this year, there's always going to be an asterisk beside their name of, what did you get when your final year of school? There's going to be that asterisk. Will you get into college? Where, where job are you going to? If you're looking for a job, good luck getting a job now. So you're going to have a period after school finished of unemployment. Your career is going to be hurt. All these impacts are going to start affecting everyone. And this isn't about rich or poor, black or white, gay or straight. It's about everyone. The amount of poverty we're going to see over the next 6 months, 12 months, 24 months is incredible. But as bad as all of that is, what is even worse is the government's response to this. Whether you're an American, whether you're an Irish person, whether you're European, it's borrow large amounts of money. Because the leaders... Around the world have all come to this great economic consensus that, hey, well, look, money's really cheap right now. So why not borrow an extra billion? Why not borrow an extra trillion? Hey, it's cheap. It's going to cost us nothing. Well, guess what happens if this spike to the system doesn't start easing itself out really quickly? What happens if in six months, the economy doesn't, is like, oh, I don't know if we're going to start going a good again. What happens if the economy starts going, ooh, we're going to start cooling down. What happens if the economy starts tapering off and all of a sudden the money supply starts tightening up and that free money that you got that quote unquote at negative interest rates or close to zero, depending on the country, what happens if that goes up to 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%? What happens if we go to return to the 1980s and interest rates go up to 10%? All of a sudden, every economy is crippled. All of a sudden, then what happens then when economies start getting crippled? You guessed it. Banks start going under. And then the choice, which has already been made, is you got to save them. And the government has to step in. And then that causes even more problems. We are going to see poverty. And I'm only glossing over all these issues. But we're going to see poverty that we have never seen before. What is the response Well, you love to say you're a Christian nation. It's time for Christians to step up. It's time for Christians to step up and help other people. And do even more than you've done before. Has America helped other people? Absolutely. You've always given money. Anytime there's a disaster, there's always time, you know, money and people volunteer their time. It's amazing. Well, now is the time. You're going to start seeing your fellow man struggle. And a lot of people who are prideful won't ask for help. There'll also be this fear that, oh, well, you're a Donald Trump supporter, I can't help you. Or you're a Joe Biden supporter, I can't help you. Where we've demonized the human individuals so much that we're going, I can't help them, they're different. Or they deserve it, they elected someone. They were going to make it worse. It's time to put all that aside. Choose freedom or choose money. What do you choose? Because if you are a Christian nation, I remind you of the simplest terms of Christianity. Love God, love one another. Are you willing to do that? This is the question you have to ask yourself. Yes, there's other questions of who to vote for in 2020. Yes, there's other questions about bigger issues. But this is a question that I don't think many people are going to bring to you, are going to make the case for. You have to choose. Do you want to follow in the footsteps of your founding fathers and risk everything for a brighter tomorrow? To hand off a brighter America to your kids and your grandkids and to the next generation? Or do you want to choose your own personal wealth? Choice is simple. And what you do, what you say, what you think will become a reality. But I want to finish up with this point. Because it's absolutely critical. If people have listened to everything I have said over the last 40 minutes or so and went, oh my God, the world is going to end. Jesus is coming back. The American economy is over. America is over. The idea is over. Let's just all, you know, roll our heads, you know, put our duvet over our heads and just cry. Don't ever do that. Because I would ask you, if you're struggling right now, to look at history and to look at your own history. There are times things have been really bad. Again, I'll use the analogy I started off this show with. There were times George Washington, yes, the great George Washington, yes, the one who said to Martha, I'm going to become leader of the Continental Army. He went and he fought. Just think about his journey this weekend if you want to. Think about, hey, I risked it all. I'm going to fight. I'm going to lead the Continental Army. Go fight the British, lose. Go fight the British, lose and retreat. Go fight the British, lose and retreat. Do you think there were times he was sitting, you know, in his private time, in his own tent, when he's looking over the journals, where he's looking over the plans that he needs to come up with, where he's kind of going, I made the wrong choice. What have I done? I could be sitting home, you know, drinking tea with Martha. Instead, I'm here losing against the British. But we all know how that ended. The 21st century can be an American century, but it only can be an American century if you reconnect to your roots of your founders and reconnect and humble yourself before your creator and beg forgiveness and once again understand divine providence and understand why you got divine providence and start acting like it again choose freedom choose money choice is yours as always we salute your police your firefighters your emergency personnel and your vets and lastly i salute you the great american people never ever forget america's heritage america is great because americans are good you're not great because of donald trump or nancy pelosi or paul ryan or kevin McCarthy or mitch mcconnell or any of them or any politician you're great because of your people don't ever forget that until next saturday at 12 noon eastern have a beautiful and blessed week god bless Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.